All right, so what are we looking at here? We can see some text, and if you look carefully, you'll see here is Hebrew writing. It actually says, Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Le'olam Va'ed. So who wrote this? Where is it written? Is it in some prayer book or the Bible or something? No and no. Actually, this is a page of Isaac Newton's writing um, where he wrote, Blessed is his name for eternity. So why is Isaac Newton, the physicist, one of the biggest scientists of the previous millennium, why is he writing in Hebrew? And in fact, this isn't the only Hebrew he wrote. He also practiced Hebrew. This is a copy of his Hebrew exercises. So the question is, why is a scientist like Newton studying Hebrew? So the answer is because Newton knew he was a smart, smart guy. He also it's he also studied Kabbalah, by the way, and that's that's a pretty well known fact. Uh, it's pretty common. You can Google it, Newton Kabbalah. You'll see he spoke about it publicly. He wrote about it. Uh, it's a little lesser known that he studied Hebrew, but he was a smart guy, so he had his reasons. And the reason is he knew that in this language there is some kind of code. He was a physicist, a mathematician, he loved numbers, and he knew that something is behind it. And in this session, we're going to find out what. So we're going to delve into the fascinating Hebrew language and its spiritual root. So what are we going to do today? We're going to cover a little bit of history, not a lot. Uh, we're going to understand what the meaning of this language really is, spiritual meaning, it's... Uh, non-spiritual meaning too. We're going to know the structure of the Hebrew alphabet. We're going to learn some letters. And we're also going to understand their spiritual structure of those letters. So by the way, uh, you can get some pen and paper ready because we're also going to practice some writing as well. So um, it's going to be a hands-on session too. And if we have time, we'll also touch upon uh, gematria, which is the numerical value of the letters and possibly even the vowels, although I doubt we'll have time for that too, but let's see how it goes. So in this session, you are going to actually learn Hebrew, and you are going to actually learn, in addition, the spiritual meaning, the spiritual code of the Hebrew language. You ready? Let's jump into it. Okay, so hello again. I'm Gil Shear, and today we are going to be unlocking the spiritual meaning of the Hebrew language. So it's going to be, hopefully, a session that will interest many people. We had a lot of requests to do content on this topic, uh, and we finally are. And if you like it, I can guarantee that we will develop more content, more sessions, and hopefully, not hopefully, if we see that there's interest, we will also develop a Hebrew course in Kabiu, for those who are familiar with it. That's our platform, our online study platform. So it all depends really on you, actually, and on me. Hopefully, I'll make it interesting for you. All right, so let's jump right into it. As usual, uh, any questions you might have, write them in the chat. I'll be looking. And hopefully I'll be also answering. So let's jump right in. We'll start with 
a little bit of history, not a lot, don't worry. We're not going to do a history lesson now about Hebrew. We're just going to get a tiny bit of understanding of just the history of it, just to see kind of a little of a map. So um, the Hebrew language, it belongs to West Semitic branch of Afro-Siatic language family. Um, it was flourished as a spoken language in the kingdoms of Israel and Judea, uh, approximately between 6 to 1200 BCE. Uh, it was extinct as a spoken language between the 3rd and the 7th century, uh, but it was still a, a literary and liturgical language of Judaism. So they used it to pray, to read from the prayer book. Uh, that's why it was actually kept. Now, it was revived as a spoken language in the late 19th century, and also the earliest Hebrew writing discovered dates about 3,000 years ago, and they keep finding more ancient uh, Hebrew texts uh, every now and again. That's a little bit about the history. We're not going to delve deep into the history. That's not the focus of the session today. So that was just a tiny little taste. We're going to move right on to uh, what I think, at least, is a little more interesting. Let's start off the spiritual meaning of the Hebrew language, and let's do that by watching a short clip. So here it is. What is unique about Hebrew? If we go to the origin, the source of the languages, it came from the Shomerim, the Sumas, and from ancient Babylon, from back then, and gradually it developed. But it's not that important to us. What is important to us is the need for the development of the language, and especially the development of the Hebrew language. So actually, there's no need for Hebrew. Really, truly so. Because Hebrew was entirely intended to only put in writing man's spiritual states, his forms of connection, ways of connection with the Creator, through the forms of his connection with those that are just like him, that connect with each other and to the Creator, and only. It is a code that is intended only in order to put in writing the impressions, the research regarding the connection between man and the Creator. And therefore, this language, what was done with it for thousands of years, I'm not even mentioning that but it is unclear to the ordinary person. He doesn't understand the elements of the letters, the essence of the letters, the way they interconnect. He doesn't understand the foundation, the roots of the letters. These laws, these rules, they're completely spiritual. And therefore, man simply isn't there. What we get is the Hebrew alphabet, and this is what we start using. I saw how my grandchildren learned it. That's how it is. Whereas the Kabbalists that have invented the language, they have discovered it, revealed it, out of the spiritual forces, from their connection, 
they understood the positive and negative forces, giving and receiving, in what ways should they be limited, in what areas, fields, desires, and from that they found that in the connection between them and the Creator, there are all in all these 22 plus 5 forms of connection that are called letters. Okay. So, as you heard, Hebrew is not a regular language at all. It's a spiritual map written in code that discusses the hidden forces of reality. What it does, it puts the impressions that people which are called Kabbalists, who discovered these hidden forces in nature, and they're the same people, by the way, who invented this language. It was a language that was invented in order to communicate spiritual matters, and that alone, for no other reason, it was created. The fact that it's a spoken language today in a country called Israel, yes, it was adapted uh, as a spoken language. There's also a reason for that, by the way, but the root of this language is entirely spiritual. Entirely spiritual. Every word, every letter is written, basically you could say is, is a code to something that lies behind it. It's expressed sometimes through uh, gematria, which is its numerical value. Uh, sometimes it's expressed as with additions to the language like te'amim, tagim, nekudot, which we'll discuss a little bit later on in the session. Uh, basically, it was invented by Kabbalists to discuss spiritual forces. That's it. Well, in fact, actually two forces that exist in reality, a plus and a minus, the positive and the negative. And that's why the letters, which are like black written on white, they're an interaction between these two forces, the plus and the minus. So let's keep going. So what is the spiritual meaning of the Hebrew language? So like I said, it is entirely a code. Uh, the letters themselves represent vessels. So we're not going to give an intro to Kabbalah now. Hopefully you know a little bit about Kabbalah. If not, then I encourage you to check out our channel and watch some introductory videos. But basically a, clear, a vessel is a desire. A will to receive. And the Hebrew letters represent these desires. So the, the white background of the letters represents the light. And the shape of the letter represents a certain bond between a force of reception and a force of bestowal. And that is what forms every single letter in the Hebrew language. So it wasn't just made up randomly, whatever makes sense typographically. It was, you could say it was discovered it was discovered by understanding the forces of nature. And we'll see it soon. We'll see how the letter is structured. Every line in every letter has a spiritual meaning. Um, so it's, it's fascinating that there is actually this connection between reception and bestowal, and it's expressed in writing. So altogether, there are 22 uh, letters plus five final letters. Altogether, 27. And each of them have an alpha numeric code. That's what I said before uh, about gematria. So I have a question for you. Why hasn't the language changed over time? 
you know, if you um, go to, to, I think it's called um, Old English, uh, about a thousand years ago, you probably, if you heard a conversation uh, in English a thousand years ago, you probably would not understand a single word. And if you heard a conversation in English maybe 500 years ago, you would only partially understand, uh, but not very much. But if you would go and speak or listen to Hebrew 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, then if you know Hebrew today, you would probably understand most of what they're saying. The language has not changed. It has changed a little bit, but not very much. And in its essence, it hasn't changed at all. So why hasn't the language changed over time? That's a question for you. I'm going to give a few seconds to, for you to be able to write down. Um, in the meanwhile, I'll just answer a few quick questions. Are you taught the spiritual meaning in school? Question from to be conscious. Unfortunately not. But we teach the spiritual meaning in our school, which is Kabu, which you're welcome, by the way, to check out. And you'll probably find the link uh, in the chat right now and in the description below. Um, okay. So Renata is already answering. And she says, because Hebrew language connects. Uh, I'm not sure I completely understand what you're answering, but it, it's definitely in the right direction. And Joseph is saying it doesn't change because the root doesn't change. And that is correct. The reason why the Hebrew language has not changed at all over time, in its essence, is because it represents spiritual realms that are unchanging. It represents a spiritual essence, a spiritual force, an interaction with the spiritual force. And these forces are above time and above space. Therefore, the language has not changed. Okay, now let's continue and delve a little bit into understanding how the Hebrew language is built. So in the Hebrew language, every word has a root. Every single word. And this has double meaning when I say it has a root. And I also put our logo here, which is... Uh, it's a tree. It's a tree of life, which is... You could see it's like a replica, up and down, above and below, which are identical, the root and the branch, and so on. So the Hebrew language is built on roots. Every word has a root, and that has double meaning. The first meaning is that it's a technical root, and I'll explain what that means in a second. We'll give examples, but it's a technical root of the word. You can break down a word without knowing anything in spirituality. Uh, you learn this, you, this you do learn in school. You learn about how every word has its root, that you can break it down to three letters, etc. We'll see in a second. And this is more, I wrote technical. It's not, it's not, it's technical because you can teach anyone how to identify a root of a word uh, and they can do it. It has nothing to do with spirituality, seemingly. Of course it does, but you don't necessarily identify that it has. And number two, every word has a spiritual root. So we'll discuss that too. So let's start off with the technical root. So we'll start off with the word that you see here, which is shalom. So some of you might know what shalom is. It's a pretty well-known word. It means uh, peace. And it also means hello. So you say shalom, basically hello. Um, so Hebrew is read from right to left. So shalom, that's the word. You don't have to know how to read it yet. We're not there. I um, just broke it down so you can see. And the word shalom is built of the root shalem. So you see these three letters here? Do I have a laser? So you have shin, sha, lamed. 
and the final mem. These three letters are the root of the word shalom. So that's shalem. Shin, lamed, and mem. And it's fine if you don't yet know the letters. Um, right now, your focus should be understanding the idea behind this. So don't worry if you don't know shin, lamed, mem. It doesn't matter. What I'm explaining here is the structure of the language. Not yet the letters and how to pronounce them and what they sound like, etc. Simply explaining that every word has a root built of three letters. So shalom, which is peace, has a root shalem. Now, shalem means whole or complete, or in agreement with, or entire. It also is one of the names of the Creator. Shalom. Now, understanding the technical root also points to an extent to understanding a spiritual root as well. Because shalom, which means peace or hello, uh, you wouldn't necessarily identify that it means also something whole, which is a different word. It's maybe similar in idea because whole and peaceful, they're not synonyms, but they're in, you could say they're not distant from each other. But understanding the root that it means shalem, then you can already understand that peace is a result of wholeness, of everything whole, of all of nature, in fact, of everything in nature. All of the parts, the still, the vegetative, the animate, the speaking, when they become whole, when they become in agreement with each other, then the result of that is peace. So the, the root of the word, it gives extra additional layer information. Okay, so you could also say, um, from understanding the root, shalem, you can have different variations of the same word. So shalem, you can say shalom, like we said here, right? But you could also say shlemut, which means wholeness and completeness. That's one example. Let's take a look at another example, uh, chibur. So again, don't worry if you don't know the letters, it's fine. Uh, chibur means connection. That's what the word chibur means in Hebrew. Regular spoken Hebrew, chibur. Now the root of the word chibur is chet bet reish. And chet bet reish is chaver, which means friend. So, again, understanding the technical root enables us to understand the essence of the actual word. So, what is connection? Connection is friendship and vice versa. If you say, I have a friend, chaver, it means that you have chibur with him, you have connection with him. So, understanding the root of the word, it already gives us an additional layer of information about every single word. Okay, let's keep going. Um, I'm just going to take a quick look at the chat to see if we have any questions. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, wasn't Aramaic spoken before? That's a great question. We're not going to go into it too much, but in short, Aramaic and Hebrew are an inverse. Aramaic is from the side of darkness and Hebrew is from the side of light. That's why many of the Kabbalistic texts are written in Aramaic and also in Hebrew. So they, they work together, both languages. Um, when did the numerical values applied to the Hebrew alphabet? Also a good question. 
they it's not that they were applied it it's like saying um for example i have a, a coin here right so it's made of some kind of metal right so you could say when was the metal applied to the coin it's it's its essence it, it, it existed in the creation of the coin it was it was created from it and it's the same with the hebrew language it wasn't that the hebrew language was created and then they said okay some people said yeah let's put some values to it and let's see how it works no the essence of every letter has a numerical value built into its structure we'll get more on that later hopefully if we make it to gematria in the session um, was it constructed as a code and not as a language as such both it was constructed as a language in code speak to any computer programmer and tell them that their code isn't a language they'll disagree they look at the code and they understand what's written there although if you don't know programming then you might not understand but any programmer who looks at code if you're a, i don't know a python programmer and i show you a python code even though for someone who has no idea in programming it will look not really clear you'll see some familiar words and some unfamiliar words if you're a programmer you'll look at the code and for you it's a language so it's the same here it's constructed as a language which is coded okay um let's let's continue uh with with our slides okay so we discussed the technical route and now let's continue to the spiritual root. So let's read a little bit from Bala Sulam, the essence of the wisdom of Kabbalah. So Bala Sulam says the following. Each lower world is an imprint of the world above it. Hence, all the forms in the higher world are meticulously copied in both quantity and quality to the lower world. Thus, there is not an element of reality or an occurrence of reality in a lower world that you will not find its likeness in the world above it, as identical as two drops in a pond. And they are called root and branch. That means that the item in the lower world is deemed a branch of its pattern found in the higher world being the root of the lower element as this is where that item in the lower world was imprinted and made to be okay so hopefully this is all clear of course well i will explain just in case it isn't so let's grab the drawing board okay um where are we here so you see the drawing board hopefully and okay let me just flip over my pen there we go all right cool uh so basically think of it like this this is this world and this is spiritual world So in this world, we have all kinds of, of words, like we have, say, the word uh, Eretz. Or let's write it like this, Eretz. I wrote the same word. Uh, one is in um, script and one is in, uh, what's it called? I forgot the name. Um, 
So Eretz basically means land, right? So every word in this world has its spiritual root. So also in spirituality, there is a concept called Eretz. And in, in the Kabbalistic writings, it sometimes says that you need to work the land, etc., etc. What does that mean? Land in spirituality means desire. So when you work the land, you're actually working your desire and so on and so forth. So every single word has its spiritual root. So it has a technical root, which we explained before, which we broke it down to three letters. In addition, it has a spiritual root, which is, you could say, pure code. Because without knowing the code, you'll never be able to interpret what that word actually means. Even if you break it down to the technical root. So there's no way of knowing that Eretz means Ratzon, unless you discover these forces, which are the driving forces of this world. So, in fact, if you discover these driving forces, by that you can also discover what the Hebrew language actually is. Okay, so let's keep going. We have a lot of ground to cover today. And I want to at least get to some practice of Hebrew. So just like I said, I'll just remind again, um, I think it's the first time we're covering this topic in Kabbalah Explained Simply. We're considering developing more content on this topic, on the spiritual meaning of the Hebrew language, and also actually learning Hebrew based on that understanding. So we're thinking of opening more Hebrew, co- Hebrew, co- not more, Hebrew courses, etc. And that depends basically on the interest that we see. So if you enjoyed this session, if you want more content on this topic, so please smash that like button or share. Um, That will help us understand and it will also help bring this to more people. Even if you do it right now, it will be exposed to more people right now. So go ahead and smash the like button. Okay, I always wanted to say that, smash the like button. I always see YouTubers say that and now I I also said it. Okay, Let's continue. So we spoke, we read from Baal Salaam's spiritual root, and now let's take a look at the Hebrew alphabet. So this is the Hebrew alphabet. As you can see in front of you, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hei, Vav, Zayn, Chetet, Yud, Kaf, Mem, Nun, Samech, Ayn, Pei, Tzadi, Kuf, Shin, Taf. That was the entire alphabet. Of course, um, we'll learn it slower. That was just to kind of read the letters. So the first letter is Aleph. Um, let's add the pointy thingy. I like it. Oops. I wanted this. Yes. Okay. L. All right. So the first letter is Aleph. The middle letter is Mem. And the last letter is Taf. Altogether, there are 27 letters, including the final letters, including the last, the final Kaf the final Mem, the final Nun, the final Pei, and the final Tzadik. And when they're called final, it's because when the letter Mem, for example, appears at the end of a word, it's not written like this Mem, it's written like this Mem. And when the letter Nun is written at the end of the word, it's written not like this, but like this. That's why they're called final letters. 
So out of these 27 letters, we have the first, which is Aleph, the middle, which is Mem, the last, which is Taf. Together, they form Emet, which means truth in Hebrew. And in fact, uh, that is also one of the names of the Creator, Emet. Um, so every single letter here, let me just actually grab that open again. Okay, so every single one of these letters symbolizes some form of bestowal with its interaction with reception. Now, the order of the letters uh, is Aleph, which is the first letter, to Taf. Uh, but the correction is from below up. So the correction is in fact from Taf to Aleph. So Aleph already resembles... When we do the corrections from below upwards, Aleph resembles the final correction, the highest possible state. Alufoshel olam, it's considered. Um, so, like I said, emet, it resembles the entire corrected structure, and that's also the name of the creator. And each one of these letters, it, it symbolizes this development of a special force from above that operates in our world. And what we'll see soon is that every line in every one of these letters is not coincidental, but it resembles some kind of interaction between the light and the clear. Okay, so let's take a quick pause now and let's watch another clip. Well, not a pause, let's watch a clip uh, about the Hebrew letters before we start delving into their structure and actually start practicing even writing a little bit. So let's... Jump to this clip. So where do the letters come from? From the Creator. In other words, the letters are the forms that our matter, our desire, we receive from the Creator. In other words, every letter is some new form of mine in which I am to some extent similar to the Creator. And all the forms that I can receive, of course, it's from the Creator. They come to me and they build me with 22 of these forms and in addition, the five ending letters, Manzepach. And then from that, I receive vessels to create from these forms all kinds of words in other words actions when I transition from one state to the next when I do all kinds of actions and transition from one state to the next and by that I'm having a dialogue with the creator I'm reaching out to him by changing from myself from within me through the forms that I build myself, I accept it upon myself, by that I express to him my desire, the language. And then he understands me, and also he begins from these 27 symbols, these letters, he starts talking to me. And then we understand each other. We have a mutual language. I can know him once I've received from him.
these 27 forms and then I identify every time what form he's reaching out to me. That's why the, the, the structure is received from the Creator. They come from Zat of Binah, Zer Anpin and Malchut, from the upper system to the soul. And once the soul is included of them, it can respond talking through these 22 plus 5, 27 forms back to the Creator. And then there is a dialogue between the Creator and the Created Being. And in this dialogue, the Created Being can receive from the Creator all of the wisdom and all of His history and all of His purpose. And He Himself can be a partner with the Creator. And what they have between them is a dialogue. Okay, beautiful. So, this is what it is. It's dialogue, really. So, let's continue exploring this fascinating language. And it's endless. We're obviously just going to touch just the tip of the iceberg today. But hopefully it will give you uh, some interest in learning more. So let's look at the letters. I see there are questions and quite a few. I will get to them uh, in a few seconds. Uh, 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 all right. Here we go. So this is the Hebrew alphabet. So you can see if you're watching it uh, not live, then you can pause and have a look at every letter and how it's written. So I'll read it again this time slow. So the first letter, you can maybe say it with me. Aleph. Let's, let's do the, the squiggly thing. Yes, I like the squiggly thing. So this one, say it with me. Aleph. Next, Bet. Third letter, Gimel. Dalid. Hey. Vav. Zain. Chet. It's a hard one because it's ch, chet. If you have a tough time saying ch, so you can say het. Probably better than chet. Sometimes it's written ch, but it's better. It's closer to pronounce it het, like with an h. If you can't say the ch, chet. Next, tet, yod, kaf, or sometimes it said chaf. So kaf, lamed, mem. Nun. Samech. Are you repeating after me? Repeat. Come on, practice. Ein. Pe. Or sometimes it's pronounced pe. Tzadik. Kof. Resh. Shin. And the last letter is taf. Or tav. Sometimes pronounced. So that's how they sound. The final letters sound the same. So final chaf is still chaf. Final mem is still mem. Nun, pei, and tzaddik. They sound the same. They're just written differently. And I'll explain why in, in about a minute. So as you can see, every letter has a numerical value. Uh, yes, this is gematria. We're not going to go deep into it now. Maybe at the end of the session. But basically, as you can see, Aleph is equal to 1. Bet 2, Gimel 3, Dalet 4, etc. Now, when you get to Yod, which resembles the second group, it doesn't go to 11. Instead, it goes to 10, 20, 30, 40, etc. 
and then from kuf it goes to 100, 2, 3, 400, and then the final letters have these values. So the final letters have the same value as the regular letter. So mem is 40, whether it's final or not. So the first group of letters on the left here, Aleph to Tet, they are together considered the quality or the sefirah of Bina. The second group is considered Zer Anpin, which literally means small face, but it actually represents six sefirot, um, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferet, Netzach, Hod, and Yesod. Together, these six sefirot, they form Zer Anpin. And the third group is Malchut, and the third group is actually um, both the Kufresh in Taf, and also Malchut represents the final letters. So, all of this above, all of this here, is in the world of Atzilut, which is the highest spiritual world, and the final letters are the connector to the Malchut. That's why, by the way, um, these letters are extended, they're longer, because you could say, in a way, they extend from the upper to the lower. They're like the connecting letters. Um, that's why they, they're, they're all, they go below the line, as you can see here. Um, you probably have a million questions about gematria. Looking at the clock, we're not going to go further into actual gematria in this session, but if you're interested in learning more, then Linda is going to post a link in the chat right now and also in the first comment if you're watching it not live uh, to a session to a full session about gematria the numerical value where basically i take this and i break it down uh, and go more into it into the whole idea of the numerical values so let's continue uh, uh, um yes okay so i see the link is posted so you can check it out later not now stay with me all right so, let's read a little bit. There are two basic kinds of lines in Hebrew letters, representing two kinds of light. The vertical line stands for the light of chokhmah, wisdom or pleasure, and the horizontal line stands for the light of chasadim, mercy or correction. By the way, quick pause, vertical horizontal lines, we are talking about... The, how the letters are written, right? So every letter has vertical and horizontal lines or diagonal as well, which is a combination of the two. So every letter you can see it has these combinations and this is what this is referring to. So again, there are two basic kinds of lines in Hebrew letters representing two kinds of light. The vertical lines stand for the light of chokhmah, wisdom or pleasure, and the horizontal lines stand for the light of chasadim, mercy or correction. The codes come from changes in the light as it develops your, your desire. The light expands your desire. When light enters your kli, your vessel, it is called te'amim, flavors. And when it leaves, it's called nekudot, dots or points, which is actually the nekudot are the vowels. Memories of light entering are called tagin, and memories of the light departing are otiot, which means letters. The letters represent information about the Creator. 
More precisely, they describe the individual's experience of the creator, every single letter. Kabbalists depict the creator as white light, the background of the paper on which letters and words are written, the creator's perception of the creator emphasize, sorry, the creature's perception, the creature meaning the created being, that's us. So our perception of the creator emphasizes different sensations that a person feels while experiencing the creator. How? By using letters and words. This is why traditional Hebrew writing is made of black letters over a white background. Okay. So, before we go on to actually seeing the letters and how they're built and even practice writing them, I'm going to do a quick pause for questions. So, where's my question document? Here it is. Okay. Um, are the final letters, are they equivalent vowels? No, there are vowels in Hebrew, um, which we probably won't get to today. So... That's also Vincent's question, the meaning of the dot below the letters. That, those are the vowels. So every dot has a sound. You know what? Let me just say it briefly. So every dot makes a sound. In English, the vowels are A, E, I, O, U, right? The sounds are A, E, I, O, U. And in Hebrew, it's the same vowels, the same sounds, A, E, I, O, U. But these vowels are, in fact, um, they're dots below the letters. So they're not, the vowels in Hebrew aren't additional letters like they are in English, but they are dots. So let's take a quick look um, at vowels. We'll get back to this slide later, but as you can see, these dots below, each, each of these dots symbolizes some kind of sound, a vowel. So this, um, wait a minute. So this, for example, makes the sound eh, re. This makes the sound i. This makes the sound a. Uh, this makes the sound o. And I can't see one that makes u here, but that also exists. So vowels basically are these dots, and they enable us to know the correct pronunciation. I will say that people who speak Hebrew usually read without vowels because they already understand the structure of the word. They know how to read it also without vowels, so... Usually vowels are written either uh, in prayer books or um, for children. Okay, so that's a little bit about vowels. Um, let's see some more questions. Uh, uh, um, so Michael is asking, might it be possible to reveal the spiritual roots of words, images, animations going forward as our technology interconnecting advances continues. So Michael, that's a good question. The answer is absolutely not. The only way to reveal the spiritual roots is to rise to the spiritual level, not technology, not any corporeal advancement, but only by evolving spiritually. Okay, um, are there different types of Hebrew? No, there is only one type of Hebrew, the same Hebrew that was written 3,000 years ago, and it's the same Hebrew that's written today. Letters haven't changed. The words haven't changed. Uh, it's the same Hebrew. Okay. Is the root always based on three letters? Daniel is asking. Yes. Is Hebrew read from top to bottom or bottom to top? Generally, it's read from right to left. Uh, but from right to left and top to bottom. So 
if I understand your question, top to bottom, like English is read from top to bottom. If you're reading a book, you start from the top, left to right. So Hebrew is from the top, but right to left. And there's also a question, why is it written from right to left? So the reason why it's written from right to left is because, as I said, Hebrew resembles spiritual corrections, spiritual code, and all of the spiritual process is always from right to left. The right line represents uh, bestowal, giving, um, light, and that's always where the correction begins from. It always begins from the right. And it goes towards the left, which is, which is correcting the quality of reception, of the ego, of the minus. So from right to left. And when you reach the left from the right, then you already reach the left line, the ego, the desire to receive, the minus, you reach it corrected because you come from the right line. Okay. Um, do Kabbalists use biblical Hebrew or regular Hebrew the most? So as explained, there isn't much difference between biblical Hebrew. Anyone that speaks Hebrew can open the Bible and understand what's written. It's different style, yes, but Kabbalists use Kabbalistic Hebrew, which is biblical Hebrew is also Kabbalistic Hebrew. And I will mention that there, I did an entire session about the secret language of the Bible where I go deeper into the roots, uh, the language of roots and branches. So you can check that out in the session, The Secret Language of the Bible, which you'll find a link to uh, right below. So either in the chat if you're watching live or in the first comment uh, if you're watching this not live. Okay. Uh, um, okay. There are some more questions, but I want to keep going. And at the end, we'll do another round and hopefully answer everything. So where are we? Where's my presentation? Here it is. Okay. So... The moment that, wow, time went by really quickly. Uh, 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 where, where am I? How did I? Okay. So the letter Aleph. Yes, let's start. Let's learn some Hebrew. The letter Aleph. So the letter Aleph looks like this. You've probably seen it. Uh, it's the most popular letter because all of, the, all of you who tried studying Hebrew and gave up very quickly probably got to Aleph. So <laughs> I assume you, you know Aleph. So Aleph is written first like this. Get a pen and paper now. Now's your time to practice. So a diagonal line. And then the second one is a connector from the top. And the third one comes from the diagonal line, goes to the bottom. So you can already start practicing this. Write it down on a piece of paper. So one, two, three. And practice. Now, every, word, every letter, sorry, as mentioned before, every line in the letter has a spiritual meaning. Let's see. So, this represents Chuchmah, which is a Sefira. It literally means wisdom, but it's it's the it's the the highest state of fulfillment directly from the light. That's Chuchmah. Now, the Malchut is the exact opposite end. It's the lowest desire, the coarsest, the thickest desire of the will to receive that wants to receive all the light in creation. All the light of Chokhmah, actually. That's what Malchut wants. It wants the light of Chokhmah. But it cannot receive it. Because if it will receive the light of Chokhmah directly, it will corrupt it. Right? It's like, uh, imagine someone poor, right? And they say, you know, 
give me money and I'll, I'll donate half of it. And you give them heaps of money. It will corrupt them. There's a very good chance that they will forget their promises and the money will corrupt them. They don't have the, the force to overcome. That's, that's the relation between the Malchut and the Chochmah. And to save the day comes the Parsa. So the Parsa is like a screen. It's the separator. Actually, it, in, it is a calculation that the Malchut does in order to be able to receive the light of Chochmah. So the Parsa is what eventually enables the light to clothe in the vessel. So that's the beautiful letter Aleph. So hopefully you practiced, you wrote it down a few times, uh, and hopefully it's all good. Okay. Um, okay. So let's see. Next letter, letter, oh, wait a minute, before the next letter, let's do some practice, right? So we learned the letter Aleph, let's look at some words, let's identify the letter Aleph. So, wait a minute, wrong way, there we go. So the first word, Adam, as you can see, the first letter is Aleph, and the sound that it makes is A. So Adam that's how it's pronounced. Say it with me. Adam. And it means man or person. In Kabbalah, Adam is also the soul of Adam Harishon, the collective soul. Okay. Let's practice another word. Or. So first of all, the vowel here is O. Or. So it's pronounced Or. Say it with me. Or. Um, and... What it literally means is light. Okay. Finally, another word, emet. We actually talked about emet in the beginning. Three letters, aleph, mem, and taf. Aleph is the first. E. Here the sound is e. So that's the vowel, e. Emet. So emet, say it with me. And what does emet mean? Truth. Okay. Okay, so let's keep going. So hopefully, uh, in addition to learning about the spiritual root, the spiritual meaning, you're also getting a little bit of understanding of how the language is written and how it's learnt as well. Uh, let's continue to another letter. I will just say this. I see there are some comments here uh, about uh, modern Hebrew and ancient Hebrew, etc. Yes, I did mention, if it wasn't clear, I did say that Hebrew spoken on the street today is not identical to the Hebrew written in the Bible. It's not. But anyone from the street today can open the Bible and read and understand every word that's written in the Bible. Right? And that's not the same with other languages. If you go English a thousand years back, you won't understand a word. But if you go to Hebrew, you will understand almost every single word. Yes, there are additional words that were um, you could say invented uh, in modern Hebrew, all kinds of words. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that any person on the street today that speaks Hebrew takes them back in a time machine, throw them into the biblical era, they will be able to understand what is spoken. Maybe it'll be a bit hard for them to speak in that same style, but they will be able to, to listen to a conversation and understand what's happening. And that's rare. Okay. Let's keep going. 
Hopefully, you still have some energy to practice. So let's go to another letter, the letter bet. All right, the letter bet. Where am I? Here, here. Okay, letter bet. That's the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, so the letter bet looks like this. Bet. Now, how do we write the letter bet? Get a pen, paper, or pencil if you want, and do this. First line, like this. So it's kind of basically a straight line, you could say, almost a vertical line. Okay. Next, you go down, horizontal line. Third, another vertical line. This together is the letter bet. Now, as you've guessed, every line here has a meaning. That's incredible. Every line in the Hebrew alphabet, every single, every single line of all of these letters, where is it? Every single one of these letters, every single line here has a spiritual meaning. It's incredible. Okay, let's go back here. So what are the spiritual meanings of each one of these lines? So the top line is Bina which you could say means understanding, intelligence, wisdom, but it's more you could say understanding. If you want to literally translate it, Bina is a Sephira. Keter Chochma Bina. Uh, the bottom line is Malchut. Malchut appears in many of these letters because Malchut represents us, our desire, our will to receive, which wants to receive everything in creation, including the light of the Creator, the light of Chochma. Uh, and this line here is Zer Anpin. So we also talked briefly about Zer Anpin. Zer Anpin is a small face, literally. It consists of six sefirot. Chesed, Gvratiferet, Netzachod, and Yesod. And this is the connector between the Bina and the Malchut. This is the letter Bet and its spiritual meaning. Let's take a look at some words with Bet. Okay, so the first word is... It's actually not bet, it's bite. It's written the same as bet. Uh, this is bite. So the vowel is ba, bite. And it actually means a house, a home, bite. So right now I'm in my bite, babite shili, in my house. That's where I am right now. The second word, bina. We mentioned that, bina. So it's pronounced bina. Say it with me. And it literally means, you could say understanding, there are, there are multiple meanings to it. In fact, Bina also means intelligence and wisdom. Uh, but in our context, we'll call it understanding to differentiate it from Chuchmah, which is, Chuchmah is, is the light of Chuchmah. It's the strongest light, which actually means wisdom. Okay, another word, Bore. Okay, Bore. So what does Bore mean? So hopefully you know, Bore means creator. Bore. Actually, interestingly, the word bore is built of two words, bo, re'e. Bo means come, and re'e means see. So the word bore in Hebrew, it means it's an invitation to come and see for yourself. Not believe anyone, not trust anyone, but examine for yourself. Reveal this hidden force of nature for yourself. That is boy. It's actually an invitation. Uh, okay. 
Now let's practice a little bit. So I have the opening of Genesis, Genesis 1, item 1. And it's written in Hebrew. I don't expect you to read it, of course. The exercise is simple. Let's identify the two letters that we have learnt. So I'll read it and see if you can identify even just by seeing and then maybe by hearing. So the first word, Bereshit. So here is the letter Bet, Be. And here's the letter Aleph, Bereshit. Bara. So Bet and Aleph, Bara. Elohim. So Aleph. Et. There's another Aleph. Hashamayim. No Alephs or Bets here. Ve'et. Here's the Aleph. Ha'aretz. Here is another Aleph. So if you want, you can pause, look at it yourselves, and try to recognize um, the Bets and the Alephs, which we've already covered. Okay, let's keep going. I want to read you something from um, the introduction to the Book of Zohar, an article called The Letters of Rav Himnona Saba. Uh, it's beautiful. It's an article which is actually uh, like an allegory of the letters, which uh, each letter uh, comes to the Creator and tries to convince the Creator to create the world with starting with that letter. So it's an allegory, of course, uh, but it's beautiful to see in the article how each letter kind of explains why the world should be created starting with them, etc. Uh, and I pulled from the article the items about Bet and Aleph, which we already covered. So let's take a look at Bet and Aleph. Okay. So, um, when he wished to create the world, all the letters came before him from last to first. And as you can see, this is item 23. And item 37 is letter Bet. Why? Because as said, the correction is from Taf to Aleph, from below up. So... In this article, the first letter is Taf, and then Shin, Resh, etc. And then finally at the end, Bet and Aleph. So, item 37, the letter Bet entered, and she said to him, to the Creator, O Lord of the world, it is good for you to create the world with me, for in me are you blessed above and below, since Bet is Bracha, blessing. The Creator told her, I will indeed create the world with you, and you will be the beginning with which to create the world. So I already kind of ruined the suspense because the whole article, every letter tries to convince the Creator to create the, let the world with that letter, and tough. And Bet is the second last in this article because it's the second letter from the beginning, which in the correction is the second last. And the Creator agreed to create the world with the letter Bet. So that's what's written about Bet, and then Letter Aleph stood and did not enter, and the Creator told her, Aleph, why are you not coming into me, as did all the other letters? And she said to him, O Lord of the world, I saw that all the letters departed you in vain. What would I do there? Moreover, you have already given Bet this great gift, and it is unbecoming of a great king to transfer the gift that he gave to his servant and give it to another. The Creator told her, Aleph, Aleph, although the world was created with the letter Bet, you will be the head of all the letters, for there is no unification in me except in you. In you will all calculations begin, all the works of the people of the world, 
and the whole unification is only in the letter Aleph, which also is called Alufo Shel Olam. That's Aleph. So, beautiful. Um, we're almost, well, actually out of time. So, Gimatria will perhaps save that for uh, next time. And I will take a few, a few more minutes to see if there are any other questions. But I will say again that if you enjoyed this session, if you want more content on this topic, then please hit the like button or the subscribe button or write it in the chats. Uh, anything that will help us understand the interest in this, that will be great. And let's take a look. Oh, wow, I see there are two pages of questions here. Okay, um, I'll take a few. Um, mm -mm. So Dan's asking, was it constructed as a code and not a language as such? I think I actually answered that. Yes, yeah, so, okay. Ah, okay, so these are all the questions including the ones I already answered. Um, okay, so a question from Sharon. What are the indications that one has risen spiritually? Uh, good question. So first of all, it's in relation to the Hebrew language. Well, the indication in, in relation to the Hebrew language is simple. You will reveal the code of the Hebrew language. To its true essence without having to learn it you will reveal it you will discover it it'll be like what we're doing now we're kind of studying it like in a philosophical kind of way because if you learn about something without attaining it then it's more just learning like intellectually you could say in a way but of course the purpose of this session and of all of the study of the wisdom of kabbalah is not intellectual but it's to lift us to the forces that govern this world to the letters you could say um, do the dots, Dan is asking, do the dots have anything to do with the dot in the heart? <laughs> um, not directly, but of course, indirectly, the dot in the heart is the beginning of the discovery of all of these letters. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Let's see. Okay. So I, I see that there, there are more good questions here. Please, uh, if you have more, and I'm sure there are going to be many more questions over the next few days when people watch this video, write the questions in the chat. I guarantee every question will be answered. No question will be left. So by that, we pretty much have to conclude because our time is up. But I do want to encourage you, if you enjoyed it, uh, to not only like and subscribe, etc., but also check out our courses on Kabu. Uh, and hopefully, if there's interest in this, we'll also create courses on the Hebrew language spiritual and uh, studying Hebrew. Um, I guess that's it. So I really enjoyed this session with you and hopefully you enjoyed it too. And to all of the Cubby students, we'll be meeting in just a minute for our Zoom session because the Cubby students enjoy a weekly Zoom session with the instructors uh, every week right after the, the Kabbalah Explained Simply live. So we can continue there and talk and ask questions and meet and have fun together. And if you're not yet in Kabu, uh, you can check out. You can even start with a free course if you want. No strings attached. Uh, but if you want to already become a member and join these live sessions, and Zoom and our community, then you can do that. 
You can check out the links below of how to become a Kabu member. It doesn't cost a lot at all. We we the only reason we charge money is to, is basically to keep this going. We're a non-profit. Um, it's around ten dollars a month for a full membership. It gives you access to all the courses on our site and the chats and the community and the Zoom sessions and everything. Uh, so try it out if you'd like. Uh, there's no risk on your side if you don't like it. You can cancel if you want a refund because you didn't like it. We'll give you a refund. No worries. And that's it. So hopefully you found this session useful and hopefully this was a, be- a beginning of a journey to study Hebrew. So I'm Gil Shear. This was Kabbalah Explained Simply. And shalom. Shalom to you all.